In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, please be seated. Between the fires in California, the continuing recovery from hurricanes and flooding, the shootings in Pittsburgh and Thousand Oaks, and the political chaos in our country and around the world. Today's scripture readings, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, earthquakes and famines. Today's scripture readings can sound a little bit like the evening news. In various ways, the scriptures today offer ideas for times such as ours, Times when it feels like the world is out of control, or the world is collapsing, or at least that the world is going at a speed that leaves us feeling lost and displaced. In the Gospel, one of the disciples is admiring the great temple in Jerusalem, but Jesus has an unexpected reaction. Jesus responds, do you see these great buildings? The day will come when there won't be a single stone left, but one upon the other they'll all come down. Jesus predicts the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, something that in fact would happen a few decades later. But we also know that Jesus uses that word, that symbol of temple, to refer to his own body. The temple of stones would be destroyed, surely, but a a new living temple of the body of Christ would arise in its place. And we take our role in that new risen body of Christ. And so one world ends, but another comes to life in its place. Some worlds do end. We know the world of our own individual life could end at any moment with our death. But not only with our death, but sometimes it feels like a world can end when somebody else close to us dies. The ending expands outwards sometimes. Scientists interpret other signs for us, overpopulation, uh, changing in the climate, hunger, water scarcity, disease, all sorts of things can make us feel like our world is ending. Smaller worlds can end. The world of our work, when a job that seemed safe suddenly vanishes, uh, the world of a relationship can end. The world of ideas or opinion can end when someone challenges us or makes us think in a new way. All sorts of worlds can end. And so given these scary times, whether scary because of terrorism or or natural disasters or everyday challenges, uh, we might be tempted to do the very thing that Jesus warns against. We might be tempted to look for a quick fix, for a guru, for a temporary authority, for another messiah. Sometimes it can seem much easier simply to numb ourselves by any means at hand. Or maybe we're tempted to pray in a magical way to be delivered out of our current distress, to maybe call on the archangel Michael to rise and fight and protect us. 
Many in our day believe they are fighting on the side of the angel armies, and we can see how that gets various people into trouble. But the middle scripture, the one between the apocalyptic vision of Daniel and the somewhat apocalyptic vision of Jesus, the middle reading from the letter to the Hebrews offers us something else, I think, in what can at first sound like criticism of Judaism and the temple priesthood. I think the letter to the Hebrews is actually magnifying another theme of scripture and theology that we sometimes overlook. You see, the letter to the Hebrews draws a sharp contrast between the temple priests and another priest, the high priest, the the super priest, the uber priest, the priest to end all priests, Jesus. The temple priests are always standing, Hebrews says, day by day, but Jesus sits. Jesus sits because his work is done. Christ has undone the whole sacrificial system by stepping into it and offering himself as a blameless victim. It becomes a sort of vacuum that sucks in all the laws and the sacrifices and the built-up things and leaves nothing but faith and goodness and truth. Continual sacrifice of bulls and lambs and turtle doves is out Perpetual memorial comes in. The temple priest of the old sort go out, and Christ, the one and only priest, comes in. Throughout scriptures, except for the Jewish temple priest, whenever the word priest is used, it's not about a religious leader in charge of a congregation. That comes much, much later through theology and practice and brings us to this odd in-between place of the Anglican church where someone like me is referred to variously as a minister, a pastor, a priest, a friend. It's all a matter of theological and cultural perspective. But back to the scriptures, when scriptures talk about priests, the scriptures are talking about all of us, everybody, Though others had raised the issue before, it was Martin Luther who especially wrote and and preached that you are the priests. Luther wrote the word priest should become as common as the word Christian because all Christians are priests. Luther remembered his scripture, and he looked back, and he preached about scripture. Luther remembered that in Exodus, God says, You shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Isaiah says, You shall be called the priests of the Lord. Everybody, female, male, children, everybody, they shall speak to you as the ministers of our God. And finally, Luther brings up the first letter of Peter. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That passage goes on to say that that you are a chosen race. All of us are chosen as a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that we may proclaim the excellence of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. When it feels like we're living in final days and apocalyptic times, when it feels like the world is collapsing on itself, 
Perhaps it's an especially good time to reclaim this doctrine of the priesthood of all believers. It's not just a Lutheran thing following Martin Luther, and it's not even just a Protestant thing. One of the principal documents of Vatican II in the Roman Catholic Church says, the baptized, the baptized by regeneration and the anointing of the Holy Spirit are consecrated as a spiritual house and a holy priesthood in order that through all those works which are those of the Christian person, they may offer spiritual sacrifices and proclaim the power of him who has called them out of darkness into his marvelous light. Therefore, all the disciples of Christ, persevering in prayer and praising God, should present themselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Everywhere on earth they must bear witness to Christ, then give an answer to those who seek an account of that hope of eternal life which is in them. Over the holidays, if you want to have fun with your Roman Catholic family, just tell them that in church you were reminded that the founding documents of Vatican II proclaim everyone as a priest. (laughs) See how far that conversation goes. Or not. As one theologian has pointed out, the fact that we're all of us Priests. It means at least four things. First of all, it means that we, all of us, have direct access to God. It's not like the old days when only the priest would go into the temple once a year to talk to God. It's not only the one who prays beautifully or lives a particular kind of life, but each of us, fallen, sinful, tired, broken, in our own blessed way, can and should speak to God and listen to God directly. Prayer is our direct line. Second, even though we don't offer bulls and lambs and turtle doves as sacrifices, as priests, all of us offer spiritual sacrifices. The New Testament is clear that we're all to offer our sacrifices, such as prayer and praise and thanksgiving and repentance and justice and kindness and love, In just a few minutes, we'll offer our pledges. That's a type of sacrifice. Sacrifice empties our heart for God and turns us more deeply to God. The third implication of all of us being priests is that we each of us have a prophetic role to play. And so that means when we see injustice, we speak out. When we see despair, we offer hope. When we see people or institutions or governments heading in the wrong direction of evil, we speak out. And finally, because we're all priests, it's our work, all of our work, to work for reconciliation, even when it's hard, even when it goes against culture, even in the face of violence or threat or warfare or terror. Christ works through us so that we can work for peace. It is the peace of Christ, after all. It's not my peace or your peace. It's his. As priests, all of us are busy people. We have a lot to do. But we share in common this vocation of priesthood, to pray, to sacrifice, to prophesy, and to reconcile. Ever since 9-11, and still we see and hear the phrase around town and beyond, if you see something, say something. 
But for these times, both within our walls and and without, as Holy Trinity rebuilds its congregation and tries to take care of our building, as we enjoy the visibility of of being seen in living rooms across the country through the television series, God Friended Me, yet work to raise visibility in our own neighborhood, maybe the phrase for us should be something like, if you feel something, do something. If you feel something, do something. You're a priest, after all. So if you feel like calling or writing or visiting someone, don't wait. Do it. If you feel like uh, giving money or food or clothes to someone you see along the way, don't wait to analyze the situation or interview the person in need. Do something. If you feel like there should be a new program or a new effort or a new, uh, a new burst of energy from our church going in a particular way addressing a certain issue, don't wait for someone wearing robes to approve it or disapprove it or sanctify it or publicize it. You're a priest. Make it happen. The gospel today ends with Jesus predicting dangerous, unruly times. This is but the beginning of the birth pangs, he says. He said that a long time ago. Another version translates this as, but these things are nothing compared with what's coming. I like that. The things we see are nothing compared to what's coming. That includes the bad and the challenging, but it also includes the good. Something new is happening in us and around us. With Christ as our guide and our friend, may we be midwives and helpers as the Holy Spirit creates a new world in us and around us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.